This podcast is brought to you by Toasted Marshmallow Adventures Studio. Contact them at gettoasted at toastedmarshmallowadventures.com for all of your podcast production needs. Good morning and welcome to our show. Not everyone gets a hash... Whoa. <laughs> Good morning and welcome to Not Everyone Gets a Trophy with Amy and Mo. Good morning and welcome to our show. It's Not Everyone Gets a Trophy with hashtag Princess Amy and Mo. We're really excited to have our guest speaker here today. Um, she is a wholeness guide. She has two and a half years of experience. She's got a great story and we can't wait to hear about it. Yeah, I'm so excited about this. I've been trying I've been trying to convince her to do this for since we started. I think on on podcast number 2, I tried to get her and a little bit about how we got connected. She posted something on Instagram. And I love reels. Somehow I ended up bumping, but that is life. Um and it said triggers are reminders. And if anybody knows me, who's been in uh, any of my groups, I always say triggers are good. And generally people cuss me out or walk out or, or they cry ask for medication or they file <laughs> complaints against my license. <laughs> True story. So when I read this, I was so excited. Little did I know she was actually from Boise. And since then, I just been trying to prompt her to come today. And she did. So I am so excited. So please help me welcome Lauren, and I'm going to butcher her name, so I'll let you say her, her name. Lauren McFarlane. <laughs> so thank you so much for being here today. The reason why I was so excited is because she's like the third eye away from what Amy and Mo know to be true. She, they, she brings a different perspective that I myself was very curious to hear. So with that being said, hi, Lauren. Hi. <laughs> hi, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me. It's super, super awesome to be here. Um, I definitely love talking about what I do and sharing my story. So I'm really happy to be able to share that with you guys and answer any questions and offer another perspective. Yeah. I have lots of questions. Oh, I have so <laughs> many. So if, if I go on your website and I look at your, uh, kind of your pictures, your profile, I'm like, wow. The, Im- the immediate kind of ignorant person would say hippie. Mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um but it's not and that's why i think we're you know we're we're wanting you to talk more about what you do and and how you can bring in a different view on mental health mm-hmm. and just normal daily ptsd whatever you want to call it how to heal your body in, in different mm-hmm. ways yeah yeah it's actually so funny um i was having a conversation with a family member yesterday and um he said that he often gets people reaching out to him and looking at my posts and going, what's wrong with Lauren? Like, what's going on? And I'm like, you know, that's fair. Like, I post different stuff than the average person and I have a different perspective. And like, majority of the world probably looks at me and goes, oh, she's just like a weirdo hippie or she's a kook or whatever. And I think that's part of getting used to it on the healing journey is like being someone who is doing things differently and looked at differently. And I think it's important because even if like 99% of the world thinks I'm a weirdo, there's that 1% that's finding solace in what I'm sharing and is able to heal or grow or do something new because of what I'm offering. And so I think it's really important to like 
not care necessarily about how you're presenting yourself, but like really believe in what you're doing and what you're offering to the world. So what is it that you do? Yeah. So um, my journey started as an herbalist. So um, ever since I was a kid, people have always told me you should be a teacher, you should be a counselor. And I always love the idea behind that, but I'm not the type of person that is super structured as far as like getting a college education. Like didn't work for me, went for five years, changed my major four times, dropped out, didn't like it at all. And so I was like, well, I can never be those things because I don't follow the structure that fits really well. And so I ended up working at Dutch Bros for years and became a manager. And I loved it because I got to teach these, you know, young up and comers and I got to like kind of counsel them and help them move. Is that why they're so happy? Over bright coffee (laughs) and loud music. And so happy. <laughs> it's it's a fun environment for sure. It's it's a lot more fun when you're just like making coffee and you're a barista. Like once you get into management, like it's a lot. You know, you have these young people and mm-hmm. they're at a very transitional phase in their life. And so you're kind of working through it with them. Mm-hmm. And so in that job, I felt like I was a counselor. And then not only that, but talking to the customers and customers share so much with you. And so once I got there, I grew so much as a person. And then I kind of got to this place where I'd plateaued. And I was like, the things that I need to learn, I can no longer learn in this environment. And so I took this massive leap of faith, which is not like me. I'm usually the person who like before I close a door, I have to have the other one like open already. Like I can't just like close the door and move on. So I took this huge leap of faith and like quit and had nothing planned, had no idea what I was going to do. I just knew that I wanted love to it. do something like I nonprofit. That. <laughs> That's what I did two weeks ago. I quit my job. <laughs> It's exciting. It's honestly, it all like I've never seen a not pay off for somebody to just like take that leap of faith and trust yourself. I tell people that all the time. Yeah. I think when I had a turning point in my life, I was like, I literally took a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what I was going to get into. Yep. And it like literally changed my entire life. Yeah. So, 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 so take me back. How old, how long ago was this? So this was four years ago, I believe. Okay. Um. Yeah, I believe maybe three. I don't know what time is anymore, but um, yeah, so I quit and I basically had no plan. I had just kind of been looking for like nonprofit work and just like applied a few random places, but also was like, I'm going to give myself a month off to just like have some fun and chill for a minute. I had been working so much. And I think like three days after I had my final day there, I got a call from the Women's and Children's Alliance and ended up getting a job offer there. And it was like perfect. And everything just aligned so perfectly. And around that same time is when I had started like my business of herbalism. And so I was, you know, making tinctures and doing these things and like going to little pop-up shops and selling so, creams. So and... for those who don't know, what is that? Cause I, I mean, yeah. I, I think, Great of, question. I think of just, I don't know, like pop, was it potpourri? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <Potpourri>. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So what is it? So herbalism essentially is just learning about the power of plants. So like what plants can do for you. So like a lot of people are into like essential oils and stuff. And it's like just taking that a lot deeper. So it's Mm -hmm. what you can do with plants. So harvesting plants and when to harvest and how to grow them and then what you can make out of them, what they are good for. So, you know, could make like a salve that's good for burns or you could make a tea that's good for a headache or whatever. And so I started making products based on that stuff and selling them. Um, And that's kind of how I opened myself up to this world. But even in doing so, like it was terrifying because I created this Instagram account and like put myself out there. And it's like anytime you're putting yourself out there for something completely different than what people know you as, it's like, oh, I'm no longer living up to the expectation of what people said I should be or what people think I should be or what I always have been. I think a lot of people struggle with that. Yeah. 
oh, it's so valid all the time. And so it was a really good hurdle for me to jump over of being able to put myself out there and say, okay, people might not understand me. People might criticize this. I might fail. Who knows what could happen, but like I'm going to try. You had like no fear about it. Right. So this is like interesting because what you're putting out on on Instagram is like the real you. Mm -hmm. And most of the time I'm thinking that people that are on Instagram is not the real. Totally. You. Yes. (laughs) No, completely. And I think I really respect that. Thank you. It was it was hard, honestly, because so I had started with that um, side Instagram account for a while. And then after a while of doing my business, I actually made the choice to get rid of it and to merge because once I became a coach and started getting into more like one on one work with people where I was the product essentially Mm -hmm. and I wasn't selling products anymore. I was like, people need to see my face and who I really am, because if they don't resonate with who I am as a person, then they wouldn't want to work with me. So they need to know who I am. And so then it was like this whole next initiation of like getting rid of the account that I was hiding behind and then just being myself and showing up in that. And you got rid of the imposed, like is it it imposer just in in having to actually walk the walk. Right. Exactly. You got to be who you are. Exactly. And preaching what you teach. Mm -hmm. And being okay that you're not going to resonate with everybody. Not everybody. I'm not for everyone. And so how can I know who I'm for if I'm not showing up as I am? Like I can't attract the people who are going to learn from me if I'm not showing myself. Absolutely. I love that. Ah, I'm so excited. (laughs) Yeah. So meanwhile of like going on that journey with my business, I also started working at this women's shelter. And while I was there, I got so much in-depth training on trauma. And so that is really how what I do now has been formed was like pairing you know, this interest in like what the earth has to offer and being more connected to nature and then starting to learn about energy and starting to do Reiki. And then I started learning, like taking my personal elements of like being able to be good at counseling people and coaching people through stuff and then creating like a coaching business. And then on top of that, learning so much about trauma and like I have yet to have a single client or person that I've met in my life who doesn't have trauma. And so being able to have that language of speaking to people in ways that they can express themselves more freely about their trauma, understand it more deeply, and ultimately be able to heal those things. Like that has what is what has cultivated my business into what it is now is like all of those different pieces of my journey kind of melting into this one thing that I'm really passionate about. Yeah, it's really exciting to see how you've brought like Reiki and trauma counseling, I guess, mm-hmm. herbalism energy Mm -hmm. working with energy all into one because that's right that's kind of unique Mm -hmm. in what i know about reiki Mm -hmm. and i feel like it's always coupled with massage therapy right Mm -hmm. um some like form of physical touch and yeah all that kind of stuff so Mm -hmm. this is really interesting to me um for people that don't know what reiki is sorry i keep saying it wrong can you kind of explain what reiki is yeah so reiki is essentially a form of energy work and so um it's called like if you break down the word it's called like life force energy is what it is and so as beings we're all made of energy like everything in the world is energy and it's just some of it appears like matter because it's moving slower or whatever like that's what everything is made of and so As humans in our society, we get really disconnected from our energy and like our intuition and things we feel within our body. And so someone who facilitates Reiki is essentially being able to like feel the energy within your body and notice where there are blockages within you, um, help get the energy flowing better 
and essentially kind of like clear the chakras. So like the chakra centers are different like energy centers, centers within the body. And they should be, you know, open and flowing and steady. Like imagine a river flowing nicely. Like if it's flowing and it's going, like that's great. That's how our energy energy should be. But then stuff happens and you get logs in the river and then you get, you know, a big pile of rocks and the stuff happens and then your energy can't flow as well anymore. And that actually creates physical problems within the body. So it can cause pain. It can cause sickness. It can cause, you know, chronic problems or anything really. Um, and most of that is from like energy not flowing correctly. So, and so that's why I kind of couple it with the massage because right. then mm -hmm. you can like physically move that mm -hmm. energy yeah. and tension around. Yep. And a lot of times, I mean, I think something that I've realized in this work is that literally everything is connected. Like it's all connected and it does make perfect sense in the field of massage therapy because you're helping someone with their physical body. The way that I use it primarily in my work is the stuck emotions in the body so emotion energy in motion so all emotions are an energetic frequency we like to think of emotions as like positive or negative but it's not that really what i like to think of them as is like dense or light so when we're feeling joy that feels really light in our body it feels really good we allow ourselves to express it when we feel anger or sadness it feels dense and heavy and we feel shame or fear about releasing those things. And so we let it stick in our body and that energy doesn't flow through. And that's what can create those like energetic blockages within the body that Reiki can help move and help release. So, uh, so how in therapy, I go after one thing and that's your core belief. And, and, and once I get your core belief, then I go from there. How do you, if, if I'm just this Joe and say, Hey, I, help me out here and I say I'm going through x y and z what, what do you do like what exactly what, what's the process of mm -hmm. of what you do I mean honestly the process so like for example I had somebody reach out to me a couple days ago like asking to work with me and so what I do for every single person is I have a consultation where we sit down and I get to know them I figure out what it is that they're working through what it is that they're looking for seeing if we get along, all of that. And then from there, I can build like a program for them. So all of the elements of what I do are going to be important on everyone's journey because in my personal belief, like what I work on with people, everyone needs to work on. But then you tailor it to the person and what their end goal is, what work they have and haven't done yet. And then I can kind of create something that works well for exactly what they're looking for. If I'm doing group work, usually I'll build a program. So some of the programs I've done in the past have been um, diving really into like shadow work and like sovereignty and being able to find like your passion to live a more joy-filled life. Um, and then we have like the retreats that are, you know, based upon certain principles and we bring people together for that stuff. So that's what got that me. <laughs> and I think I was showing my mother, I was like, mom, take this, this person. I'm going to bring her in. And I see that you go to Cancun, right? Yeah, we're going to Cancun in February. And then you go to, is it Coeur d'Alene? Yep, an... Coeur d'Alene was the one we were just at. Okay. Like, how do, like what happens? Because there's one for all females, correct? And mm -hmm. then there's another one that you do as as joint. Yeah. Like, I was like, well, to me, it's like, normally if I'm thinking Cancun, I'm thinking, let's go party, right? Right. Like, where do you go and, 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 and what is it, what does it do? What's the ultimate outcome of that? Yeah. Stuff? And who are who are the people that want to go? <laughs> right. And not party mm -hmm. in Cancun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a valid question. So 
ultimately a retreat is like an intensely transform transformational space. So people are going there who may have been kind of on the spiritual journey and they're really kind of wanting that catalyst to like shoot them into this next place in life where they get to be more free in who they are as a person. They get to express themselves more freely. They get to have more joy in their life. They get to be more connected with their purpose. And so each retreat is built slightly differently. Um, the one that we just had was called Rebirth, and it was based all around connection. So connection to the earth, deeper connection to yourself, and then deeper connection to your fellow humans. And so everything that we did was built around like those elements. Um, the one we have coming up in Cancun is going to be, it's actually in Tulum, but it's going to be based off of the book, The Four Agreements. And so it's really taking you through each layer of how we can initiate ourselves into the four agreements more and how we as a collective can help bring that heaven on earth feeling, which it's called heaven on earth, um, to our communities. Because what I always tell people in retreat space is like you're doing so much work on yourself and you're it's a really big initiation for yourself. But then everything that you do here is rippling out to everyone that you communicate with, come in contact with. And so retreat space isn't just for the people who are in it. It's always okay, what can we do for ourselves here to then bring that back to the world and encourage growth and transformation in the world as well? I love that you say transformation. And it took Amy about two years to start saying transformation versus change. And, and I'm, big on, I'm big on words. And I would always say, Amy, stop saying change. Because change, you look forward. And you don't want to know anything about your past. versus transformation. You're transforming everything about who, who you are as a person. And we always say each one, teach one, each one, teach one. Right. And I feel like that's, that's somewhat what you're saying is in sense is it's not going to be about you. It's going to be about the impact that you're going to do on others, right. but it starts with you ultimately. Exactly. Wow. I love that. Yeah. So what's the type of person that would come? Is it somebody who's like really struggling with life that have little hope? Are they already on a journey of transformation? I would say Who gets to go? most people, I mean, it's for anyone. Like we, one of the biggest things that I have held as a pillar in what I do is that when I stepped into like the spiritual world, I constantly was like, I'm not good enough to be here. Like I'm not a vegan. I am not hippie enough. Like I don't like do yoga. Like I don't belong here, you know? <laughs> and then I finally got into the world and I was like, oh my God, it's literally come as you are. We don't care what you do. It's not about that. It's about who you are as a person. And you know, none of those little things matter, but we love to like put things in boxes and think that we have to fit in. So it's been a pillar for me throughout my entire journey of running this business is that you can come at any time in your life, any place in your life. It doesn't matter what you believe or who you are. You matter and you get to be a part of this. So anyone is welcome. What I see most commonly, like where people are at in their life of wanting to come, is people who know that they want something different, who know that they don't quite love the idea of the nine to five and the like, oh, we just come here to work and then die. And they want something more and they have these like, curiosities and they want to believe in something more but they're still kind of like am I crazy am I weird like they don't quite know if they can expand on that yet and so then they come to this place and I think honestly just the act of being in a room with other people who validate you and not who can, you, you can say all this crazy stuff to and they're like yeah you're not crazy I get it I feel you I think that in itself is one of the biggest like transformations there that's where people see so much change is to just be around people 
that were a stranger yesterday and now feel like family and they understand you and they get it because they're on that same journey. And so that's typically the person that is attracted to this type of event. So with you working, you know, all, quitting your jobs and taking the leap of faith, do you think that your your history, like your life history, had something to do with that for you to pursue this passion? Yeah. I want to hear more about like your story and yeah. how passionate you are and mm-hmm. and how it's working for you. Yeah. So I grew up in a really small town called Idaho City and it is literally 500 people up in the mountains, like very small. Um, I grew up on 18 acres of forest and my family hunted and, you know, I was just very immersed in nature my entire life. Um, So I've always had a very profound respect for nature and Mother Earth and what we can learn in those environments and how important it is to be enmeshed in that. Um, And so that's always been something just like in the back of my mind that's been important to me. And I think throughout my journey um, in childhood, I had a pretty strict upbringing and um, my family heritage, I'm like very Scottish, that's McFarland, Clan McFarland. Um, and so like I grew up on like Braveheart and like yeah. I had a big brother and we would like sword fight and like that is kind of what I came from. And so I think my whole life I very much had like this warrior spirit of like fight for things and stand up for things and fight for freedom. And I think somewhere along the way I got conditioned to believe that I wasn't already free, that we had to like fight to be free. That, hmm. that freedom is, that is very interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah. And it's it's like this idea that like I'm not inherently free. I have to earn freedom or I have to prove that I'm worthy of freedom or I have to do X, Y, and Z to be free. And so when I started my healing journey and doing all these things, I started to realize that we are free, but we are the ones who limit our own freedom. So based on the way we view the world and like the belief systems we have, it's like, oh, well, I can't do that because that's weird or that's wrong. And it's like, no, that's just something I'm imposing on myself or that society I'm allowing society to impose on me. Mm -hmm. So it's like all the ways in which we are not free are actually things that we have blocked ourselves from. And so I think looking back at my childhood and my upbringing and all those things that made me who I am, it's really been this, okay, I had to learn that I was free to be myself, to express myself, to do literally whatever I could ever want in this life. And I want to show other people that. So I want to help people uncover what's stopping you from being free. What conditioning do you have that has made you think that you can't do these things or that you're not good enough to do this or that it's not important enough to follow your joy or whatever it may be. And so I think for me, it all comes down to like freedom has been the thing since childhood. Yeah. So I think, you know, during childhood, it's like you, you do, you are free mm-hmm. and we do get conditioned. Mm-hmm. Like where, where, where does that happen? First grade. Oh yeah. I, I think so. I mean, it, it happens yeah. young. So for and, sure. and I always teach us about in, in, in my groups mm-hmm. that zero to seven, mm-hmm. you don't have a conscious, your subconscious hundred percent, right? You're, you're below theta waves, which means that that's why you believe in Santa because Someone said, believe in Santa. But at the same time, if someone says Santa does not exist, you believe it. So at seven, eight, between seven and eight, your conscience just rises. And that's when they're able to say the why, the why. It might start earlier, but they don't understand why they're saying it. Right. Then I don't want to go to first grade. Yeah. Right. And I think, I think that's when we start. Mm-hmm. That's where the conditional versus unconditional love. Somebody asked me this um, yesterday. We, 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 you were there, right? 
I don't remember. Ah, but, but somebody actually asked me this question. It says, when does it become unconditional and conditional towards your kids? And I'm like, I think if we're talking about science and, and, and genes and, and epigenetics, it's seven. That's when then you realize and you start making those decisions based on your values, based on what you were taught as, as, as a young, you know, human, a tiny human. Yeah. Which is highly. So yeah. then when you start learning that, you just start applying it. So like mm-hmm. your thought process of like, we have to fight for freedom. Right. It all, you started implementing mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Cause from zero to seven, our subconscious is being created. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we are living most of our life because 90% of your life is ruled by your subconscious mind. So then everything you learned there, you're applying to everything for the rest of your life. And then we have experiences after that that continue to like hit the nail into the coffin, right? Because you're like, oh, that's validating what I already believed, what I learned then. And so then we just keep validating those belief systems forever and ever. And then we get to the place where we want to question that. And it's so uncomfortable. And that's when we're like, whoa, this feels weird. And I feel like that's that place where people want to start going on those transformational journeys. Because you either get to this place where you're like, this is really uncomfortable because I'm questioning everything I ever believed. Do I go back to my comfort zone? Or do I like stay in this really weird, uncharted territory and try to do something new? And I think like that place right there is where I love to meet people because I love to guide them through the discomfort so that they can see what's on the other side. Whereas most people would rather be like, nah, back to the comfort zone. Oh, you're like a hidden gem. So I am going to, I'm going to make an appointment for Amy <laughs> um, because she does not like being uncomfortable. She loves being comfortable. I like, making, I like making baby steps. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh so, but you said you like leaps of faith right i do so. i do like leaps of faith and i like when other people do it when mm-hmm. i tell them to and it works <laughs> but when it comes to me i'm like well i'm just gonna test the water right i'm just gonna put my toes in mm-hmm. how do you get someone to believe in what you do because if, if i get there and i've never i've never seen what you do and, and i want to think that i'm in this movie and i've seen different videos or just movies shows that you wear this white robe. You're in a tent mm-hmm. with a whole bunch of. Sm- I mean, that's the that's the media. What, what they portray right. that you do. How how do I get over crossed. that? Sti- how do I get over that stigma? Yeah, honestly, I think for one, I don't like the idea of like selling myself. You know what I mean? Like, I am who I am, and some people resonate and some people don't. The people who resonate is who I'm meant to work with, and I think that something that has helped me in connecting with people is that we do kind of create this like box of like what that person wears and what they talk like and what they act like. And then people meet me and they're like, oh, you're just like a really normal human being. And like you are easy and real and you can talk and whatever. And so I think it's the comfortability and the approachability of like just being able to get to know somebody. Um, But then it's, you know, asking the right questions and being able to pinpoint things that maybe they wouldn't be able to see like Something that I have been blessed with the ability to do is to recognize people's patterns really well. So people can, I can ask them questions about their lives and different things. And I'll be like, okay, I can connect these dots and these dots and these dots and recognize that like, oh, this is an underlying pattern in your life. And they're like, oh my God, you're right. And so being able to see from that outside perspective is really, really helpful for people because we get so caught in the little details of life that we very often forget to zoom out and look at the bigger picture. And so that's a big part of my role is helping them zoom out. And when they can't, I'll zoom out for them. And I think in seeing what I'm able to see in them is what usually attracts people to like working with me. So how do you get them? Like you recognize all these things, Mm -hmm. you 
get outside the box. Right. You're looking in. You guys do it together. Mm-hmm. How do you get someone to like leap? Yeah, it takes um, – it's really about showing people compassion and teaching people to have grace with themselves because – we as a society are so hard on ourselves and we have such high expectations and people hold us to such high expectations. And so when people want to like change and transform and they want a new life, they have like really high expectations of what that's supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. And it's about literally saying the fact that you're here and that you're even interested in doing this is a huge and amazing step. And people forget to give themselves credit for how far they've come and for what they've accomplished already. And then it's about teaching them how to have grace with themselves throughout the process. So we all have that little voice in our head, right? That's like, you're not good enough to do this. You don't matter or you're not worthy or whatever. We have those little voices. And our typical way of combating that is to say, you're wrong. I am good enough. Which, you overcompensate. Right. Which seems right. Like it seems like, oh, good. Yeah. Tell her you're you're good enough. But really what we're doing then is we're shaming that piece of ourselves that doesn't think we are. When in reality, it's completely valid for every single human to have a moment uh, where the, they think, yes. I'm not good enough, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's, that's one of my core values. Yeah. It, I'm, not, I, it, I'm not good enough. And I always mm-hmm. push on that. And, I, and I, yeah. I keep telling people, it's you have to say, I'm not good enough. I'm not yeah. lovable. I'm, I'm alone. Mm-hmm. I'm whatever. I'm not saying remain in it. Right. But if you have a rock in your shoe, mm-hmm. you can't just ignore it because it's right. going to create a blister, mm-hmm. an infection, and ultimately it can lead to amputation, right? Right. Because you just didn't want to say there was a rock. Mm-hmm. And, and, you, and I think we speak a different, uh, same language, mm-hmm. just in a different setting, mm-hmm. because that's what I honestly believe. It's you have to understand that you have to stop overcompensating right? because that's what leads to suicide. The, the inability that I've done everything. Mm-hmm. I'm a millionaire. I'm a CEO. Why do I still feel like I'm not good enough? Right. Because yeah. that's not the answer. Mm-hmm. But society tells you, go and improve yourself that. Mm-hmm. Oh. Right. Yeah. And in my world, this is called shadow work. So essentially, we have these little limiting beliefs, you know, that I'm not good enough and you'll never succeed. And we don't like those parts of ourselves, So we suppress them. And we hide them away like the rock in the shoe and we keep them there. And over time, I my analogy is like the, the screaming child, right? So it's like the little child inside of you that's screaming for attention. And you're like, shh, no, close the door. Okay, bye. And the kid's just going to keep screaming. And then suddenly all those pieces of you, all those shadows that you've ignored, they start to call the shots from behind the curtain. So then suddenly you're like, wow, where did my temper come from? How come I just lost it on that person? How come I'm so emotional right now? How come I'm so closed off to the world? And it's because all those things that we're ignoring are actually controlling you. But when we get to look at the shadow and go in there and shine the light in the darkness and recognize that these pieces of me aren't bad or wrong, they just needed validation. And like... I help people say, okay, if this is your limiting belief, now where, what got you there? And then we look at the childhood and we look at your experiences and your traumas and go, okay, well, if all of these things happen to you, of course there's a piece of you that feels like you're not good enough. You're not crazy for feeling that way. That's okay. And instead of saying you're wrong, let's say, okay, come here, little inner child. Like, let me hold you and tell you, like, I get it. It's okay that you feel that way. I understand. But now, instead of having to protect me, you can, we can allow fear into our lives and allow, like, that scary moment of the leap of faith and all these things and not let that hold us back anymore. Yeah. 
I think when I was reading your page, it said that you you help people walk through that journey. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of, I, I was like, wow, why, why would you do that? Why would you spoon feed somebody? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, which brings a different, I am always, I want to remain a person who's open and not closed because I need to learn. But now that you explain that, it's some people do need that. Some people do need to, hey, come on, I'm right here. Kind of right. like me paying my bills. I won't do it, but if you call, I'll pay. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right? And I think that's, mm-hmm. and, and there's no shame, but yeah, society mm-hmm. puts a shame on that. It's like, right. no, you're a grown-ass man. Right. You well, and it's it. like the idea of like, can we do things alone? Of course we can. Mm-hmm. Should we have to? No. No. And is it the most productive way to do things? Absolutely not. We all deserve help and we need to learn how to ask for help. And we're only one person with one person's set of experiences. There are so many other people out there who have experienced things differently and had different situations and different lessons. And we all get to come together to help each other. Like the world doesn't progress from one person. Like it's everyone's perspective and experiences that bring us forward. And so, you know, maybe someone's been through this and you haven't yet and they can help you. Yeah. It's like so interesting how I like know so many people that want to be helpful. Mm-hmm. but don't really know how. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, they don't want anyone to help them because totally. they feel like a burden. Right. And we're supposed to be like a village, you know? Mm-hmm. That's what they say. It takes mm-hmm. a village yep. to build a person, raise a person, mm-hmm. take care of a person. Yeah. And for some reason, we have this misconception that that's not how it works mm-hmm. and we should do everything ourselves, mm-hmm. And but we should help others. Right. You know what I mean? Well, and I think that's very much part of our society. I think it's hugely a part of being women as well is that, it's like put others first. And I was taught that my whole life. Put others first, take care of others, be the last person in line and don't get anyone's way and, you know, don't take up space. And it's like, okay, I love that I care about other people and I love that I know how to put other people first. But at some point in my life, I was like, wow, I don't take care of myself because I'm constantly taking care of others. And I'm afraid to be myself and to take up space as I am because other people are more important than me. And so, yes, we should take care of other people, but there has to be that second half of the conversation of we can't take care of others and our best if we're not our best and if we're not taking care of ourselves. Right. I hear all the time where I say it all the time, you can't pour from an empty cup. Exactly. And me and Mo go back and forth about this because I learned a few years ago taking baby steps, mm-hmm. how I take a day and I call it self-care Thursday. Mm-hmm. And so... I do my nails, and it's not self care. Self, it's <laughs> self indulgence, and, and it's and I keep telling you, it's it's one, it's body and mind, and the other one's you making yourself feel better with external things, and and we go back. But here's the thing: this is my perspective on this. Thank you. So, as a society, we are very habitual creatures, right? Mm-hmm. We um are often an autopilot. We just do the things that we're used to doing. Our muscle memory kicks in, and we're not thinking. We're in that subconscious brain, whatever. Um. And people always say that we're creatures of habit. And I'm always like, wait, is a habit good or is it bad? Like you can have a healthy habit or you can have an unhealthy habit or whatever. And so what I realized that is that I believe that we are not in fact creatures of habit. We are creatures of ritual. So no matter what your ethnicity, every culture has come from places of ritual and, you know, having practices built into their life and sitting around the fire and doing all those things. That is what is actually inherent to us. Like that makes sense to us. But we turn our rituals into habits, which the only difference is a ritual is something you do with intention behind it, and a habit is something you do in autopilot. 
So if I wake up every single morning and I brush my teeth and I don't think about it, I'm thinking about what I'm going to have for breakfast or what I have to do that day. That's just a habit. If I wake up in the morning and I brush my teeth and I look in the mirror and I think about affirmations while I'm brushing my teeth and I think about how happy I am to be able to clean my teeth and have a roof over my head, suddenly there's intention to that and that makes it a ritual. So if on your self-care day you're getting your nails done and you're grateful for it and you're present in the moment and you're thinking about how this fresh set of nails makes you feel fresh and new like a new person then that can be a beautiful ritual in your life if it's something you do in autopilot then it's just another habit that leads to that leads to a mood disorder (laughs) 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 just kidding just kidding so that that is a better way for me to explain it yes because these things i do for myself Mm -hmm. so that i feel a hundred percent, you know, like I don't do them just because I'm on autopilot. I do it because right. this is the time I have to sit mm-hmm. for an hour and a mm-hmm. half sometime where I can engage with the person that mm-hmm. I'm with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes it turns into a therapy session or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever right. what I do. And then I go on to the next and mm-hmm. it's like that time I have to just like re like reset mm-hmm. or like fill my cup back up right so that i can go on and do all the other things that i feel like i do at 100 percent, like right. be a mom mm-hmm. be present for that my mm-hmm. children um go to work and be 100 mm-hmm. percent at my job right and i feel like without these things mm-hmm. i i'm i'm unable mm-hmm. to give back right. what i intentionally am trying to give back mm-hmm. so wow these are my rituals that is the most growth i've seen in amy thank you for coming in here and just clicking that for her because I, we've had this discussion over and over and over and over and over again but but i think you just i feel like i should go to cancun yeah <laughs> I you should you should take her i i do agree you know because amy has the potential to be a millionaire and, and she has this thing of being a millionaire and i'm always like yep but if you don't understand what you're doing you will revert to giving that money right out because you're more comfortable not being a millionaire. Right. And that, yeah, like even just coming into that like abundance mindset of like we tend to live in scarcity of like, oh, I can't do that. I'm broke or like, oh, I can't afford to do that or I don't have enough for that. Yeah. And it's about even just changing the mindset into this abundance place. So like for me, a big breakthrough in that was like, okay, I've been through times in my life where I was like, I do not have a lot of money. I cannot do a lot of things. Like I am broke. I'm nervous. And I have literally always been okay. Like mm-hmm. no matter what, I've always been fine. Mm-hmm. And even on top of that, I've still always been able to do the fun things that I wanted to do that didn't need to do. And so that is like switching to that abundance mindset of, mm-hmm. wow, I'm so lucky that even in the times where I didn't have a lot, I still had a lot. And I, I was love still that happy mindset. and I could still take care of myself. Yeah. So it's just like shifting those little things and even just like money is the root of all evil. It's like, no, it's what you make of it. And I believe that the more money I make, the more people I can help, the more people I can serve. So it's about changing like the narrative we've built around money. Did you have a different mindset like before when you were working like Dutch Bros Mm -hmm. and totally going to school and Mm -hmm. failing or whatever or just being miserable? Yeah, absolutely. So did you have that mindset of like... I'm broke and yep. nothing makes sense. It was and- it was very that like scarcity mindset of like, oh, I can't do these things or I have to sacrifice one for the other or like even just like that deeply rooted, like I never really said it out loud, but it was like, oh, I don't even want to be rich because like rich people suck and they're mean and like, you know, like those yeah. little things that are built into society. And so it was like in everything that I was doing when I started to learn about energy and like what you do with energy, I was like, wow, I'm literally repelling money. <laughs> 
Like I'm like talking so negatively about it that I'm pushing it yeah, away from thank me. Thank you. Well, it, because you attract what you fear. Right. You what you, you attract. I mean, you are what you think about. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and and Denzel Washington says it great, and I'll modify it. Um, but he says, "Give thanks in advance for the things that are already yours." Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the, the the idea is when I've asked for jobs and I know it's mine, mm-hmm. they always become mine. Right. But if you're, you know, if you go based on your core belief, mm-hmm. ah, yeah, I'm probably not going to get it. Then, well, you're not going to get it. So why would life, the energy that you t- were talking about, it's around you. Why would that help you? Right. Exactly. Because you're not, it's it's, it's being seen as a threat if, if you say those things mm-hmm. versus an abundance and say, no, bring it, bring it on. It's right. mine. Yeah. So then abundance becomes like, okay, even if I don't have a lot of money in my bank account, I'm like, I have a beautiful home. I have. I'm abundant with friends and connections. I have, you know, your food health growing in my backyard. I have abundant health. I have all, and then you start just having gratitude for all the abundance that you do have, and then more and more of that is is coming to you because, a, you're like actually, I guess, appreciating it for the first time. You know, you're recognizing where it is around you in areas that you might have just taken for granted before, but then also you're sending out that energy, and then it's coming back to you. I find that very very cool. Would you say that your turning point was actually becoming what society thinks of being important? Because in, in Boise, Idaho, you work at Dutch Bros. It's it's the cool thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's so becoming a a supervisor at Dutch, mm-hmm. in theory, goes with what I hear was your core belief of right. I'm not important. Mm-hmm. Is that when you realize you're like crap? Like this is it? I I'm supposed to feel this right. way, but I'm but I'm not. Exactly. Yeah. Because so for me, it was a really big um, leap of faith to to drop out of school. I knew my family would be disappointed. I knew people wouldn't understand. And I was just like, well, it's not for me. And it took I, I stayed years longer than I would have wanted to because I was afraid of of what other people's expectations were of me. So taking that step was hard enough. And then when I was like, okay, look, see, I got to Dutch and I'm succeeding and I'm moving up the ladder. And so like, see, it was worth it. It was like, I was still trying to prove to people like I didn't, I didn't finish college, but now I'm succeeding. See? And then when that wasn't what was like fulfilling my heart anymore, then it was like the real leap of faith of I'm about to do something that no one's going to understand. And I can't really prove anything to anyone, but that's not the point. I'm proving to myself that what I care about and what I want is more important than what anybody else thinks of me. And so that was the really big shifting point of like, I'm proving something to myself of I matter and I trust myself and I believe in my own values and what I want out of life. And if other people don't understand that, fine. How, how did you go from, from point A to point B in terms of, all right, I'm, I'm working at Dutch to herbalist. Like, that's that that would be probably most people's last thing to even right. think about unless you're crafty mm-hmm. right there's always that seed in you mm-hmm. that's just waiting to just flourish yeah where was that all along for me it started with my health so um i grew up like eating decently healthy like my you know we had balanced meals and had family dinner um but i spent most of my life like eating you know like craft mac and cheese and like cheese and mayonnaise sandwiches and like anything with cheese Um, and then I started getting food allergies and then I started getting cosmetic allergies and then my food allergies started getting really, really bad because I was ignoring them. And I was working at Dutch, which is like, there's not a lot of healthy options. Like you can't like for someone who's really trying to make a health conscious choice, there's maybe like one or two things that they could get there. And so 
I had really changed my life as far as eating healthier and, you know, using alternative medicine and, you know, taking vitamins and supplements and like not taking prescription medication and all that kind of stuff. And so it had really started to shift for me and like what my values were. And I had a really hard time giving people a product I didn't believe in anymore. And so then I started getting into herbalism because, again, I've always been that nature girl. I love nature. I love the power of all those things. And I just was really intrigued by it and started learning about it. And it was my way of giving people a product for their health that was actually like something I believed in. So can you tell me, since you've been doing this for the last two and a half years, Mm -hmm. do you have like one success story that sticks out in your mind where you're like, oh my gosh, I know for a fact, like I impacted their life Mm -hmm. and it's forever changed. And so is mine. Like, you know, it like feeds you back, Mm -hmm. you know, like I feel like whatever you put in the universe will pay you back, like evenly and fairly. Yeah. So do you have a story? Uh, Yeah. I have like, I'm trying to just a bunch. (laughs) Yeah. And this is more Um, gears to those implicit learners like myself that I need that picture because I need to be able to put myself right. in, in, in an example to be like, okay. I mean, we had somebody who was a bodybuilder and is, okay, how do, how do, I, get, how do I get myself there without mm-hmm. knowing yeah. you? Okay, I have two. One is really quick, but it just um, kind of shows how quickly validation can change you. Um, and then I'll give kind of another one that's a little longer. But the first one, so I had a client um, who has a lot of anxiety. And one of her biggest anxieties in life is money. So like even though she works a great job and she, you know, makes good money and she's a good saver and all of these things, she has this thing where like when she goes to spend money, she has massive anxiety. And so she can't ever get anything nice for herself. Like she had been driving this like really old crappy car for like 11 years and like didn't have air conditioning, like nothing, but she was like afraid to just like invest in things. So as we started digging into her childhood and understanding like where her trauma and conditioning comes from. Um, when the like market crash of like 2008 or whatever, her dad lost his job and then her mom ended up getting injured and couldn't work. And then from that injury became addicted to prescription medication and alcohol. And so for her, the moment that they went from this really comfortable place of like, we have money and life is good. As soon as they lost money, a lot of things fell apart. And so she, her mom changed. There was all this fear around her family, like everything was kind of lost for her and her family at the same time that the money went away. So in her child brain, she thought money means stability. If I give money away, if I lose money, I'm going to lose everything. So once we understood that and she was like, oh my God, so I'm like, you're not crazy for having anxiety about spending money. Like, of course you would think that because that's happened to you. And as soon as she had that validation, she literally went and bought herself a brand new car the next day because all she needed was to understand that she was not crazy for having this anxiety about money. And once she was validated, she was able to overcome it. So that's like a quick story of just like how quickly things can shift when you're validated. Um, It's almost like she had permission. Exactly. Yep. Yes. It's okay. She understood her emotional response Mm -hmm. to what was happening, right? And and normalized it. Like, oh, yeah, of course you would feel that way. Yeah. Yeah, That's so normal. Um, Yeah. And so another one. um, I had a girl came to my first retreat and then she actually came to my second retreat as well. Um, and she has, she's super hard worker, super smart girl has been in medical school and multiple times in a row kept like failing the test to get her like license. Mm -hmm. And so she comes to this retreat just in this place of like, what am I doing? Like, why isn't this working? And like everything that I've loved and blah, blah, blah. And she's also this incredible artist. And so, um, you know, we're in circle space and a retreat. So we're all kind of sitting and everyone's kind of sharing 
basically what they're going through in life at that moment and like what's alive for them right so this now. is what happens at retreat we sit mm-hmm. in a circle and we're kind of like yes yeah, so we have lots of ceremonies we sit and talk okay mm-hmm. and a, a huge element to it is sharing and so you know she basically breaks down and shares how she's like i've worked my entire life for this thing and i keep failing and like i don't understand why and she's you know this very intuitive person and super artistic and you know has you know, more of that spiritual air about life. And it was this moment of I was like, hey, girl, like you're it's not working for you because it's not where you're supposed to go. Like, think of all of these things that, you know, and all these other skills you have. And like her in her head, she was like, if I get into the medical field, like I can change the medical field from the inside out. Right. Which is awesome. Love that. But I'm like, okay, but how often does the medical field kind of change you? Like, literally, there are things you just can't do. And so I'm like, what if you're supposed to take this different approach and do it a different way? And so then she came to our second retreat and, like, was a completely different person, had been selling her art, like, doing it all the time. And now she is, like, in week two of, um, like, naturopathic medical school and, like, filled with passion and so excited about what she's doing and like her entire life has shifted and you know she was like in a relationship she wasn't stoked about she was following a job that she wasn't stoked about and she wanted to know like she was working so hard towards something but it wasn't her passion and so now she was able to find like what her passion was and now she's like chasing her dream and finding like immense success through that i love that yeah because it's a dream and that's mm-hmm. and i always say there's a difference between goals and dreams Mm -hmm. dreams and i think denzel washington says you know goals or dreams without goals just remain goals and and it's ultimately kind of what we do the day-to-day five five or eight to five jobs and uh, like every just settling for what you have yeah yeah. it's monday yeah yeah we love mondays we love mondays (laughs) my mondays are my favorite day yeah monday at five o'clock in the morning that's when we we come out and and it's exciting and we you know just it's so exciting to wake up knowing that you did something without the validation of society. Right. Like we are here showing up, mm-hmm. um, bringing people of your caliber because it's it represents something else that that is not on the news. Right. You are not negative, mm-hmm. so therefore we can't sell you. Right. Right. And you know, I I think connecting people to that inner child Mm -hmm. of them is is something that is scary Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of trauma with with seeing yourself Mm -hmm. picturing yourself at that age there's a lot of emotional response Mm -hmm. not having someone guide you and i think what's unique about you is that you do it in a different setting Mm -hmm. than these four walls right because it's better if you connect it to outside the trees the water that has energy versus these four walls if a client just left and they're experiencing grief and that's what you're gonna get and, and it's gonna and you're gonna pick it up so i think bringing you in here brings a, a completely different aspect to what amy and i know to be true well, I come from a medical standpoint, so mm-hmm. I'm like, you have anxiety? Well, let's try this. Right. You're also going to need some counseling, so, mm-hmm. you know, like, there's always resources. Right. But I, you know, I come from medical. Like, I, mm-hmm. I study medicine. Well, medicine helps with this. and mm-hmm. But I know it's, like, sometimes just a Band-Aid over a bullet hole. Right. Because sometimes I look at people, I'm like, you don't need this. You right. need you need an alternative, but I don't always have resources for mm-hmm. them. So, and, and there are people like who need medicine mm-hmm. and there are people who, and I think especially specifically with the example of anxiety, 
it's become kind of like a just like blanket statement of like, oh, I have anxiety. You know what I mean? And like, so I think a lot of people who might not actually experience like deep dilapidating anxiety think that they have anxiety and then like we work ourselves up over it too yeah the more you think about it the more it becomes right. real yeah and so for a lot of people it might be like a quick mindset shift or it might be like focusing on something else or being more present it just depends because everyone's anxiety comes from somewhere different and so yeah it's like important to know the cause like the root before because otherwise we are putting a band-aid on like a symptom instead of finding the root cause of mm-hmm. the problem which is helpful to get down to the problem because mm-hmm. when you have so much anxiety right exactly. it's hard to even get down mm-hmm. to the problem because i have people that i work with mm-hmm. and they're like i don't know what's wrong with me but something's wrong right yeah and i've had clients who have been on anxiety which are been on anxiety medication which has been able to get them to the point where they're like okay now i actually want to do something about it and then they'll you know work with me or work with someone who does something similar to me and then they're like okay i don't feel like i need now i can take off my meds a little bit and then eventually i don't need them anymore but it's like if they hadn't had the meds in the first place they wouldn't be able to got to that point right so it's a different journey for each person yeah. so there's no shame in taking medications mm-hmm. and that's why i tell people is mm-hmm. i mean you have two i'd be three options either you ignore it and, and get worse or get mm-hmm. better or you go study it mm-hmm. and 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 literally process everything you're supposed to process mm-hmm. or you take the medication to combat the symptoms, but it's right. still going to remain. Mm-hmm. How, how do we get in touch with you? How does a normal or not normal, I mean, the, a human who knows nothing about this mm-hmm. calls you and says, hey, like, this is my problem. What are the steps yeah. to, to, to get? How do we find you? Yeah. So my main platform is Instagram. Um, that's pretty much the only social media platform I know Instagram how to use. So um, it's Lauren Lightbeam, just all one word. And yeah, I post most of my stuff on there. I have like an email list too for people who don't like to use social media. Um, but essentially people can message me on there um, or shoot me an email or whatever. I've got all my links on there. Um, Wholeness and- Unique, correct? Is that, that is that what it's called your website or, uh, or no? Lauren Holness Guide? Oh, okay. Yeah, Lauren Holness Guide. Yep. Is that dot com? Yes. Okay, yep. great. And um, yeah, I've got my links in my Instagram as well. And really, I mean, I'm very easy to reach. Like, you can shoot me a message. You can shoot me an email. If you are a person who needs a phone call, like message me and we can set aside a time for a call. And pretty much anyone who wants to work with me or is curious, like gets a free consultation call so we can sit down. Yeah, I did see that there was a link to have a 30 minute free chat Mm -hmm. or something like that. So that's very that's very interesting. So people can even like test it before they drive. Right. Exactly. On these retreats before we go, I just Mm want to know, like with these group therapy, like what's the limit for how many people you're taking? So the max amount of people that we would ever take is 12. Okay. Yeah. How many people go like? Um, yeah, it's usually between 10 and 12 people. And then our team, it's like me, my co-host, chef, photographer. Yeah. And then our last one, we had like music involved as well. So we had like a breathwork guide and then we had like a DJ as well. So sometimes the team's a little bigger, but it's a intimate setting because if it gets too big, then people don't get the time that they need. That's what my concern would be Mm -hmm. is that, you know, I feel most days I have, most of my days are are great mm-hmm. um but if i want if i'm going to something like this like i want it to be intense right. and i want it to be like mm-hmm. I, I want there to be a lot of attention yes. and if there's like a big group i just kind of feel like i would have to get do the lost work in the to, crowd yeah mm-hmm. to like yeah get Which, myself out there that is very much our intention as well as like you came here for a transformation and like each person deserves to have that time and their moment to have their voice come through and all of that so we we don't allow them to get bigger than that and i, and I do appreciate you know i've been i work with trauma mm-hmm. we work in, in a in a field that 
a lot of people don't feel comfortable with the opposite sex and yeah. and you you cater to that mm-hmm. exactly yeah you know there's some that's all women mm-hmm. right and i think it's important i would i would push it to do an all men too because i think women are more comfortable being with all women but if you talk about yeah. men in cancun i'm like wait a minute what like that is not normally something that that would cross my mind right a retreat going without men like that just doesn't sound appealing but that's what actually makes you uncomfortable right i would love the idea of all men mm-hmm. because it is different and, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's so uncomfortable like it's almost like we need something there yeah. to promote us to go have you ever heard of sacred sons no. So Sacred Sons is an organization that does all male retreats, and but they're massive. They're really big. So it's like a lot of people, a lot of guides, um, but they are like the number one when it comes to like any type of like male transformational retreat. They're incredible people. I've met multiple of the people who do the guide, guide work, um, and they're amazing. So it's definitely something to look into. Um, I would love to see, though, like smaller male ones like a little more intimate right. setting yeah because I, th- th- I think that's what would intrigue me when we're talking about massive not that i have anything against it but but it's it loses it becomes a business oriented idea at times right and it's very scary yeah um because what if they have more money than i do right what right, if right they live with an idea right that's mm-hmm. i mean those are the well, thoughts I, I just think of like on it's like self-taught therapy almost mm-hmm. if you don't have that one-on-one if there's so many right. people that you have to reach out to you mm-hmm. just like i'm not the one i'm like well they probably need more help than i do totally so i'm mm-hmm. i'm just gonna sit back and watch and i'm pretty smart and i can get you right. know i'm like a sponge so i'd want a smaller group just because i wouldn't want to have that feeling of being a burden right I feel like you're just like this hidden treasure. I don't, <laughs> I've never heard of anything like this before. And I, I feel like it could be such a benefit to, to people that are in all different mm-hmm. forms of life and totally. all, all walks of life. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, when, when I was telling Amy about this, I think we're ignorant, oblivious to other things outside of what we know to be true. And I think we connected because of the triggers, triggers are reminders Triggers are always good. They 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 remind you that there is an issue. I am I'm so excited. I really want to even I, I can talk to you for for days <laughs> and hours, but we have to get going. But I want to thank you so much for doing what you preach because we didn't know each other. Mm-hmm. We messaged each other, and I'm like, she just showed up at a house. <laughs> she doesn't know there's a no cool idea. studio in here, <laughs> but she had faith that what like i mean you there was some sort of energy intuition that you just you, you went with it mm-hmm. if you would have came in maybe four weeks ago it might have been the same right so i appreciate that about you it just just rolling with it going with it as we did say in, in emdi just go with it and and plugging yourself in into us because now we're we are connected and every time now someone mentions anything about therapy is not working medication is not working now we're open we to saying, let, right. let me sing it to Lauren. Let me it to Lauren. <laughs> and she'll take you on a great vacation. <laughs> You're going to Cancun. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Lauren, before we go, is there any like last minute things that we forgot that you really wanted to say before we get no, out of here? No, I think we covered everything. Yeah, thank you guys again so much for having me. I obviously could talk about this stuff forever too, but I guess I would say just for the people who are listening, like even if you're just slightly curious, allow yourself to step slightly out of that comfort zone and follow what feels good and trust your intuition well we'll check back with with you guys next week thank you for listening in today happy monday adios